Praise God, brothers and sisters. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Um, truly, as uh, we heard earlier in this service, a lot of what's going on around us seems to be distracting us from the things that are most important. When I think back on this pandemic, for example, I recall when we had to all sit tight at home, we weren't allowed to go anywhere, and so much chaos was happening. There was the riots. I know we, a lot of statistics were coming out. It was showing us that things like depression was going up, things like suicide was going up, things like alcoholism was going up. There were domestic violences going up. Because people were staying at home, there were so many other things to be distracted with. Because people were no longer doing the daily nine to five, spending time with friends, spending time with family, people were becoming distracted. Even having that fellowship broken amongst even us who attend church every single week was something that I personally felt very strongly. When I was not allowed to come to church and see my brothers and sisters in Christ, that was something that I grieved through. And all of these things are distracting us. What are they distracting us from? They're distracting us from the realities of eternity. The realities of eternity for both the righteous man and the wicked man. And today we heard the Bible reading on Psalms chapter 1. That is the same chapter that I want us to focus on tonight. It's a very short chapter, just six verses, but it does a very good job of summarizing the realities of eternity for both the righteous man and for the wicked man. So once again, I want to very quickly read through Psalms chapter 1. It goes like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. But before we start looking at these verses, what does it mean to be blessed, brothers and sisters? What does it mean to be blessed? Ask yourselves, for you, what does it mean for you to be blessed? Is it when you are comfortable? Is it when you are wealthy? Is it when you are successful? Is it when people admire you? Is it when everything in life is going well for you? Is it when you are popular? Is it when all of the intersections are green for you? What does it mean for you to be Blessed, And what does the scriptures mean when it says, blessed is the man? When we look at the original language, when we look at the Hebrew, we understand that in this context, being blessed means being happy. As we read these passages, blessed is the man, we're understanding what it means, happy is the man. True blessedness and true happiness, first and foremost we read in verse 1, does not allow for hypocrisy. 
It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I think that if you took out this first verse and just skipped straight to verse 2, and you wrote something like this, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, that might be a little bit easier. You might be able to be satisfied with that. You might be able to say, I attend church. I listen to podcasts. I listen to sermons. I listen to the audio Bible. I have Christian songs in my car. I'm pretty good on that point. I must be blessed. But no, that's not all it takes to be truly blessed or to be truly happy. True blessedness, true happiness does not allow for hypocrisy. The man who would seek to be truly blessed must also separate himself from sin. The man who would be truly blessed and truly happy must not only delight in the things of God, not only delight in his word, but he must also separate himself from those who would influence him or her to sin. Why is that important? Because there is a progression to sin, brothers and sisters. We read here that it starts off like this. He who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Then it says, nor stands in the path of sinners. And finally, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. We see this progression of sin that begins with walking alongside the ungodly. It continues when you are standing amongst those who are sinners. And it finally ends with you sitting amongst them. What does it mean to just simply walk in the counsel of the ungodly? To walk in the counsel of the ungodly would be to walk amongst those and to share in the wisdom of those who are careless, those who are fleshly, those who are carnal, those who do not walk with a spiritual or an eternal mindset. What does it mean to stand in the path of sinners? This means to stand with those who are outwardly rebellious. These are those who are in habitual sin. They live and they breathe in sin. And finally, to sit in the seat of the scornful. What does it mean to be a scorner? What does it mean to sit in the seat of the scornful? If you were scornful, if you would sit amongst them, you would be someone who outwardly hates God. You would be someone who not only hates God, but hates the things of God. You would be someone who, as a representative, would lead other people astray. To sit in the seat of the scornful is to truly become the devil's advocate, to become a teacher of Satan, to be someone who not only hates God, but hates the things of God and leads other people astray. There is a progression to sin. Sin does not stay the way it is. And why is that? Because sin is deceitful. The deceitfulness of sin will always take you further than you ever wanted or intended to grow. Why is that? Sin grows like a disease because the flesh can never be satisfied. It says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Your flesh can never be satisfied through sin. Your flesh will never say, enough is enough. I've had enough pleasure. I've had enough sin. I've had enough pride. I've had enough of selfishness. Your flesh will never, ever 
be satisfied. Your flesh will continue to crave more perversion, more evil, more wickedness, more death will come from your sin than you initially wanted or intended. Your flesh can never be satisfied. Your flesh can never be satisfied. No matter what your addiction is, no matter what that sin in your life is, committing that sin will never be enough. You will always want more. So this man, this man who would be truly blessed, who would be truly happy, he does not allow for hypocrisy. Instead, his delight or his pleasure is also in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Last month, we heard a sermon where it was mentioned that you only have two options when it comes to your behavior, when it comes to your character. You can either conform to this world or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are only two options. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral ground. You are either being conformed into this world by the devil, by the patterns of this world, or you are being transformed by the renewing power of the word of God. It's not enough to only separate yourself from evil. You must also constantly speak the word of God into your life. You must allow the law of God to transform your heart and your mind from the inside out. You must speak the word of God to yourself. That is what it means to meditate on the word of God, to not only read and to study, but to remind yourself, to speak it to yourself constantly. This is how a man can walk in true blessedness and in true happiness. If we continue to verse 3, it says this, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I really like the commentary that Charles Spurgeon has on this specific verse. He says this, It's not a wild tree, but a tree planted, chosen, considered as property, cultivated and secured from the last terrible uprooting. And then he quotes Matthew 15, 13, where Jesus says, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. The man who would be truly blessed and truly happy is a man who is chosen and planted by God. He is chosen and he is planted by God to grow in an environment where he will produce fruit, where he will be sustained, where his leaf will not wither. The place where God would have you and I to grow in him is a place where we can be secure, where you and I can grow in security, where you and I are not surrounded by a single river, but by channels of rivers, where you and I are producing fruit in every season that we bear fruit. Our leaf will not wither. We will remain beautiful in the Lord because he has planted us. He has planted us in an environment where we can grow, where we can be sustained. But what about the unrighteous man? There's another passage of scripture that reads like this. Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 5 through 8, it says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, 
whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The man who trusts in man and in his own strength is like a shrub in a land where there is nothing, in a land where there is salt, where there is nothing inhabited. But the man who trusts in the Lord is like a tree planted along the rivers that will bear fruit, that will be sustained, that through those difficulties will not wither. But what about the last part of verse 3? And whatever he does shall prosper. What does that mean? Is this one of those verses that promises that everything in our lives will be good for us? That you and I have a promise from God that everything in life will go according to the plan that we think is best? Is this one of those verses that teaches that we should never be sick, that we should always be wealthy, that everything in life is just name it and claim it? Is this one of those verses? Absolutely not. But rather, this is a verse that is telling us that the expectation of the righteous man is always good. That the will of God in the righteous man's life will always be accomplished. We heard the verse earlier today, and I'll read it one more time. Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is what it means for whatever the righteous man does being prosperous. Everything that this man does will accomplish the will of God in his life. Everything that the righteous man does will receive a good expectation from the Lord. It will be for his good, no matter what the result is, so that even when something difficult happens in the righteous man's life, it's for his good. God has promised that it is for his good so that he might grow into conformity with Jesus Christ. This is what it means for everything that he does to prosper. But what about the unrighteous? Do they have the same promise? Let's read from verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. What is the picture that's presented here? What is chaff? What does it mean when it's saying like the chaff which the wind drives away? What is the picture here? And so, when we look at the history, we'll look at the context. And there are some people who still do this today in some of those other countries. When you would gather your grain at the end of that day, you would have to separate the grain from the edible parts and the inedible parts, from the trash, basically. Once you gathered all the grain together, you would winnow it or you would take it onto your threshing floor and you would separate the good grain, the parts that you could eat, the good seeds from the garbage, the dry, the husks, the chaff. And very often it was as simple as just throwing it up in the air for the wind to blow away all the dust and the garbage and all the chaff. That's what the chaff was. It was that garbage. It was the dry part that was not good for anything. It was the part that was 
separated from the good seed, from the good food. That's what chaff is. And so the picture is this. Separation. The context of the rest of this chapter, verses 4 through 6, is all about separation. It is all about division. We have read what the blessed man is like, what the happy man is like, but now there must be a division. There must be a separation. And therefore, verses 5 and 6 say this, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. When we look at what John the Baptist has to say of Jesus Christ, he says this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The picture we have in verses 4 through 6 is a picture of division. This is a picture of separation. This is a picture of God coming in and judging. There is a fellowship that believers, that you and I have together through Jesus Christ. It is through him that you and I can call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. It is through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that you and I will spend all eternity with the Father together. But the ungodly are not so. The ungodly will be separated forever in eternal darkness from the presence of the Lord and His saints forever, brothers and sisters. The reality of eternity for the righteous man is goodness. It is a good prospect. It is eternity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But for the wicked man, eternity is weeping and gnashing of teeth. For the wicked man, his eternity is hopelessness. It is darkness. It is emptiness. It is pain. It is suffering. It is eternal and unquenchable fire. There is no inheritance. There is no future for the ungodly. There is no future. There is no hope. There is no prospect for the wicked. It says in Proverbs 24, verses 19 and 20, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. And so as you and I are living in this time, in this culture right now, where there is so much going on in regards to distractions, to fears, to anxieties, and to worries, when you and I are so focused on the temporary, when you and I are so scared and worried about today, we forget about the realities of eternity. We forget about the gospel message. We forget about being a light and a witness to the people around us. We forget about the realities of heaven and hell. We forget about the realities of that final day when Jesus Christ will, with his winnowing fan, clean out the threshing floor and separate the good grain from the chaff. We forget about the things that truly matter in this time that we live in now. There is so much division. There is so much going on that would cause you and I to focus on the now, but my desire for all of us here tonight is for us to 
remind ourselves constantly that now is not forever. That you and I will have an eternity and everything that we do now will affect that eternity. The way that you and I live now here on this earth during these times will affect where you and I will spend all eternity. And not only that, but what our rewards may be if our eternity is with Christ. And I want to finish with this final verse in Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says this, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. You and I, brothers and sisters, are truly blessed and truly happy when God forgives our sins. When God does not impute our sin to us. When we are not judged as we deserve to be judged, but rather we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ by grace through faith alone, through Christ alone, through His cross alone. When you and I realize and understand and receive this revelation, this understanding of our sin, and make this decision to cling instead to the cross of Jesus Christ, He takes our punishment and He lays it on His Son, Jesus Christ, instead. And instead, He gives His righteousness, the righteousness of His perfect Son, and He credits it to our account. And you and I are made blessed. You and I are made righteous. You and I are made pure, spotless, white as snow. You and I are changed. We are given brand new clothes. Though our sin was as scarlet, we become white as snow. We become clean and pure. And so, what is the lesson we can take from this tonight, from this very short psalm? If you wish to be truly blessed, if you wish to be truly happy, you must separate yourself unto God. You must not only receive the things of God, not only delight in His Word and in His nature and in His character, but you must also discipline yourself in all diligence to separate from sin, to separate from those who would influence you to sin. And you can only do this through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Through him, you and I have a promise and a hope that on the final day, when he separates the chaff from the good seed, you and I will spend all eternity with him. That he can take us who are dead and sin and trespasses, us who are wicked and sinful, those of us who are clinging to our own goodness, and he can give us true righteousness, true hope, true peace, and true comfort through Jesus Christ alone. Let us stand and pray.